Welcome to the after show. We just recorded Home Alone 3 Trials and Tribulations, the Trials and Tribulations of Kevin McAllister. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to talk about some other stuff less Home Alone related. Before we do, though, I want to talk about, so you know the little movie, I forgot to talk about this in our recording, uh, the little movie that Kevin watches, the like gangster movie. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know anything about that? at all i think i know what you're what you're about to say but i I don't want to don't want to take it from you it's a short film that was made specifically for the home alone movies um (laughs) like they is that what you're yeah absolutely Um, they made it specifically for the shots where kevin is watching this christmas movie um or this gangster movie and so all the lines like they had to make up a movie to have the lines that would make sense, basically, to scare yeah, people I didn't away. Know that. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's hilarious. Um, I'm trying to find what the name of that movie it's, was. Do you it's guys remember? Insane. It's like Angels and Demons, or <laughs> uh, it's not Angels and Demons, obviously. But um, I'll, I'll I'll get. Uh, to the it's Angels with even filthier souls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That oh man. Um, it, it, that's a totally convincing sequence. I absolutely believe that that was an old, an old, yeah, I, I until, yeah, until I was an adult assumed it was just some movie I had never seen. There's an interesting thing. Uh, this is, we're just kind of, um, marinating on the home alone stuff, but in the movie, um, Harry, he totally acts like he is going to reveal that he knew the movie. That's how he knew the name snake. Like he's like, snake, wait a minute, hold on. That sounds familiar, but they, it never comes back. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if that was a setup for something that was maybe deleted, where he's like, oh, you idiot, that's from Angels with Even Filthier Souls. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I don't know. So what did you guys watch? I, I know you probably didn't have a lot of time this week to, to maybe get into things, but what did you guys watch this week, if anything? Um, I've got, I've got two that I want to talk about. Um, so I've been rewatching Lord of the Rings, um, in their entirety. I'm about halfway through the, the rewatch of the extended edition. Lord of the Rings is awesome. We could talk about that if you guys want, but I just, you know, I recommend if you haven't seen it, give it a chance. Maybe not the Hobbit, but the Lord of the Rings films are wonderful and they push you to kind of go and find more within the world of Middle Earth and J.R.R. Tolkien's writing. Um, and I've been getting deep into the lore and whatnot. So it's been a really fun rewatch, but I don't want to talk about that too much because I I love it and I could nerd out on it, but I want to talk about some movies that I started and had to turn off. Um, and the first one is a recent movie written by Max Landis, uh, John Landis's son, um, and starring Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy called Victor Frankenstein. And it is on Hulu, and it was super, super weird. Um, I wouldn't say it's bad necessarily. It stars Daniel Radcliffe as Igor. Um, he's like a circus performer who Victor Frankenstein rescues from the circus. But I am kind of familiar with the novel Frankenstein and know the huge variance in the way that story has been reinterpreted for film. And this version, for whatever reason, it was like it was interesting because I like both those actors, and it was kind of weird Tim Burton-y, but is pretty cheesy and trying in how intentionally not Frankenstein it was, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. And I got, I don't know, I watched maybe a half hour, maybe more of it, where it was like, I don't don't think this is going to 
grab me and pull me back in, if that I, makes I sense. I think I, I don't know if I've seen the entire movie, but I have a very similar opinion um, where I started watching the movie because I was familiar with the book and just couldn't follow like yeah. what was going on. And it was just, it, I, I did like the casting. Like I, I kind of oh, watched yeah. it because of the people in it. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be kind of cool. And then it just wasn't what I wanted at all. Yeah. James McAvoy, I feel like is a great choice for a novel, accurate Victor Frankenstein. And even Daniel Radcliffe, to be honest, I know Igor is not in the source material, but um, he would be a good Victor Frankenstein. So that, there was something I, I didn't like that Frankenstein was just this cocky asshole in that movie that is like, oh, I'm, I'm a criminal and I'm ready to animate bodies and I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, kind of like he was like this larger than life vigilante figure. Um, I, I will say I've only ever seen one accurate adaptation of Dracula or not Dracula, um, Frankenstein. And it is the Kenneth Branagh film from the 90s where Robert De Niro plays Frankenstein's monster. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but it's, it's, it's way cheesy. Uh, cause it's Kenneth Branagh. He's, he most famously does uh Shakespeare adaptations. Um, so it is mad, cr- like kind of cringy cheesy, but it's a nineties movie. Um, and it does faithfully retell the story. I mean, um, I, I think oh. the, the problem with Frankenstein as far as turning it into a movie is that the, understanding of what Frankenstein is for most people is not at all what the book is. Yeah. Um, And the fact that the book was written in a time where like it, the book itself is not a terribly interesting uh, like page turner, in my opinion, it's a very slow kind of like plotting thing. um, I disagree. I really like it. I don't, I, I like don't it like too. It. I thought it was pretty <laughs> engaging because, because like I had that conception of what Frankenstein was was just like he's like a monster and I that's why I think it's with him at all. And then like this um, book makes you feel super sad, for Frankenstein. I <laughs> I, I just don't like it. Um, <laughs> I compare it so. My problem, I guess, this is my problem, is I compare uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, the novelizations. Um, to each other, and I just think Dracula is a much more interesting story. If I'm not uh, mistaken, those were written during the same event, um, where a number of of writers from the time gathered over a long holiday at a castle and challenged themselves to write novels. You're not exactly right. You're close. Um, so Mary Shelley, Percy Shelley, uh, Lord Byron. And then a doctor whose name I can't remember um, were all in uh, Lake Geneva um, or Geneva or something. Uh, the weather was crappy, so they were stuck inside. They decided to ha- they were reading these German ghost stories and they're like, these suck. We could we could come up with better. Um, and Mary Shelley wrote what would eventually become Frankenstein. And the doctor uh, wrote um, the vampire which is what Dracula, like the characteristics of a vampire Dracula is based off of. Oh, I see. Okay. And there's a lot of controversy that Mary Shelley didn't necessarily write Frankenstein that her husband did because Percy Shelley, Percy Shelley was a poet. um, And Mary Shelley, like her parents were, I I believe her mother was a writer and her father was like a pretty well-known like 
politician maybe. Um, and there was just like, she had the abilities to be an author, but she wasn't like a working author at the time. So it would be weird, but I, I think it's, it's garbage. I think she definitely wrote it, but, um, that is a, a theory as well. Interesting. I think there actually is a movie about what you're describing about this experience of, uh, people doubting that she wrote it entitled Mary Shelley. Um, that is so I'd be, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I think I watched a trailer for it at one point. Um, I actually, I have a novel that is, um, another Mary Shelley novel that unfortunately I, I own it and I've never read it, uh, like a real piece of shit. Um, but it's called the last man, I believe. And the idea is that it's about uh, an earth, um, where everyone has died out except for one person. And it's kind of their adventures, uh, backpacking through the wilderness and encountering, yeah, starring perhaps Will other beings. Yeah, starring <laughs> Wolf Forte. <laughs> yeah, I know that book. Uh, <laughs> it was weird. It um, was weird that she specifically named her character Will Forte. Yeah, and uh, what's uh, what's that actress name? I, I haven't seen the show. I, um, I can't. I that knowing that Will Forte is the actor is about as far as I go with that show. Is, yeah. Are you saying there is a show adaptation of The Last Man? Well, I don't know if it's based off of this book, but no. there is a show called The Last Man. Okay. I know that uh, the comic, why, why uh, the, the comic, Last Man, yeah, yeah, why The Last Man is takes inspiration from the Mary Shelley story. Um, that's another thing. Uh, it, um, if they haven't, if there's no plans to adapt that yet, I am positive that's going to show up as a streaming series sometime in the next couple of years. Why uh, the yeah, Last Man? That is, that is a super popular uh, graphic novel series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to keep it related to movies, the other movie that I watched that I started and I had kind of fond memories of, but I just wanted to check out and um, uh, I rewatched maybe 20 minutes of it before I was like, no, I can't do it. It was the Baz Luhrmann adaptation of Romeo and Juliet entitled Romeo plus Juliet. And my problem, it wasn't even like the over the top style, uh, the quick pace cartoonish tone. It was that um, I thought the language was like, nobody knew what the fuck they were saying. Uh, Especially Leonardo DiCaprio, who I normally think is pretty good. And in this as Romeo, just every line that came out of his mouth, it was like, hold on. Does he know? Does he know what he's supposed to be saying? Yeah, it's like uh, it a just, high school performance of yeah, Romeo and it, Juliet where you just memorize it, yeah. the lines and are told how to say them. Yes. So and I, it, I have a hot take with this movie, maybe. Okay. I really like it. Okay. Uh, I So I, I understand that it's not like a great piece of film, uh, but I like the cheesiness of it. And I like the, uh, the, the uh, shot where it's like sword yeah four four point five or point four five and i'm like that's fucked that's so stupid but whatever um zach do you ever teach romeo and juliet i do do you and i force my students to watch that movie okay i was wondering uh because that's i think that's where i first saw it was in a scenario like that where we were we were shown the 60s version and then this version and it, it at the time i thought it was badass it's like oh my god this is fast paced there's guns like uh these are slick gangster characters um and in rewatch the all the supporting cast is pretty good like john leguizamo was fantastic as tibble casting paul rudd 
Oh yeah, Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that movie's casting is is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was just Leo that was throwing me off so much. Where I just I expected mm-hmm. more of him. I guess he looks good, but uh, he wasn't doing it. I guess with the dialogue. I I just remember we had like a long term sub for Romeo and Juliet my freshman year when we read it, and it was uh I don't know if you guys we all probably went to school in town or in the area. Do you remember Mr. Pavlo? He was Uh, married to a teacher in my West in my high school. And he, he had like a smoker's voice. He was like Romeo and Juliet. And he literally read the entire (laughs) Romeo and Juliet to us. Like Romeo and Juliet part one act three. Like, (laughs) but like he read all the parts. Yeah, he read. Uh, well, he would narrate it, and so okay. the way the way it was structured, we would okay. So he wasn't like Romeo, Juliet. Well, he would in parts. So we would like switch the way it was set up. It was like we would switch from taking roles, and then he would read like a big section of it, like with every character. It was whack, man. And and I don't know. And then our teacher beforehand, I don't know, and he watched it, and I just hated that class, man. That's like one of the classes I slept through. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I just had bad experience, and we watched that movie. I uh, I just uh, kind of spinning off of this. I do want to ask you guys: Are there any um, Shakespeare adaptations on film that you really recommend, um, or that that stood out? Because um, one that stands out for me is a couple years ago there was a remake of Macbeth that had uh, Marion Cotillard and um, Michael Fassbender. And it was badass. Like it, it, I, I really, really, really liked it. Even some of the scenes where they were supposed to be um, soliloquies or asides, um, they the way they did them, they would contextualize them where it is a character talking to another character, but in a way where it's like, okay, yep, he would confess this to this guy. Um, I don't know. That was that was for me. That was the one that stood out more than any of them. But a lot of them I've seen have been way, way not good. <laughs> so I'm curious. No, I mean, I haven't really seen a lot of Shakespeare adaptations. I've never read a lot of Shakespeare, although Macbeth is my favorite Shakespeare play. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything that is like. Um, I know 10 Things I Hate About You is really like. Oh, yeah. Played yeah. The, the, there's a couple of movies that came out in the 90s or like early 2000s that were like. Um, modern adaptations of Shakespeare stuff that I think get a lot of play. Um, I'm not super familiar with them. Uh, one, one that stands out for me as being pretty ridiculous is um, Much Ado About Nothing starring Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves is Don John, the the villain. And I, I remember we, we got assigned this uh, when I, I was I went to school for theater for a few years and uh, we were assigned this specifically because of how over the top Keanu Reeves was in it. Um, and it's it's funny. It's hilarious. Um, I wouldn't say it's good, but I th- it, it kind of made me question the whole Shakespeare thing at that point where it was like, well, is it important to just have something kind of ridiculous and over the top in here to get the kids interested or, or are we going for accuracy and and uh I guess speaking the text in a competent manner, which he does not the entire film. Yeah. Um, I also don't see Keanu Reeves as like a Shakespearean actor. It's crazy. Because like he has like, 
he is that Keanu voice that like it's not this it, it's the same in yeah. everything he does. Like <laughs> Bill and Ted is the same Keanu as uh John Wick. It's just like a different yeah, looking um, guy. The the way he talks is the exact same though. Yeah, the, so I can only imagine. And like Dracula, uh, yes, yes, he's uh, John to tie, to tie it back to yeah, he's uh, I think sorry. he's Jonathan Harker. Yeah, it's um, I I just lied. It's not John Carpenter who made that. It's uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, John Carpenter made a movie called Vampires, but Francis Ford Coppola made that Dracula adaptation. And he, but he yeah he is, I he's like the weirdest choice possible for jonathan harker in dracula no. i get yeah. that he was a hot actor at the time but there are other actors of like ewan mcgregor or um uh, that's who i always thought was ewan mcgregor is around the same age and was coming up in hollywood at the time like why in god's name did they cast winona Ryder and keanu reeves as kind of love interests in this in this film <laughs> yeah i've never seen it so it's good aside from some weird casting <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, is that the Gary Oldman Dracula? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think he is a very good Dracula. Hell yeah. Um, which like Gary Oldman is just a good actor. Like, so he, most of the roles he, he does kind of work, but, yeah. um, well, as far as stuff I've been watching, uh, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> which How's is, that hold up? I love it, dude. I, I kicks the shit out of Seinfeld. I, it is the funniest fucking shit I've ever seen, personally. Because <laughs> um, it has this like nice demeanor where it's just like every problem that occurs to Larry David in that movie is so insignificant, but it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, there, there's what's the quote like in one of the early, like the first season, he, like Larry just goes like, "I'm a victim of circumstance," and that's like a great <laughs> summary of like the movie. It's just like Larry David going around being very like picky about little things. But like, also everyone unreasonably hating Larry David for like doing reasonable things. It's I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just funny. It's uh, I, so in that it. show, is he a writer? Like, is he a writer? Is he Larry David, like writer of Seinfeld? Yeah, he yes. he plays himself. Okay. You know, Jeff Garland plays like his manager, but he's pretty much Jeff Garland. Um, he has his wife. He has his fake wife in the movie. Um, like Ted Danson is in it. it. Like it plays himself. It like, it's on this weird, like it's like real Hollywood, but like fake people and friends. Um, like, you know, there's an episode where like Jerry Seinfeld um, comes in, um, him and George try to make like a sitcom. So um, that show, like to, to piggyback off of that, um, the writer of the show blackish uh, Kenya Barris has a show on Netflix called black AF where he is, He's him, the the creator of Blackish, um, and it's a it's a very similar show of just like this is the life of this guy who wrote this this TV show, um, and it's it's pretty funny. Nice, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, I see. Highly suggest Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, uh, if you have you haven't watched, oh man, it's like probably one of the best comedy shows I've watched. <laughs> I think yeah, I think Jeff Gar- like Jeff Garland is somebody who. I didn't really appreciate until I started watching the Goldbergs. Um, but like, I think his comedy is just great. Like, I, I don't think I've seen him in a lot of stuff where he doesn't work. Oh yeah. He's, he, he's a good sidekick to Larry David as is Leon J. Uh, I think it's JB smooth. Um, the dude who plays Leon, which is like, mm-hmm. Oh, Larry gets like a super black ghetto friend named Leon who is just like, 
really good friends with Larry David, but he's like, I don't know, it's just like this super white dude and this like super black guy get along and kind of wild antics occur. Um, uh, let's see. What else? I, I've been watching The Crown. <laughs> yeah, you but talked like, about that, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been watching more of it and I'm not going to say it's good, but it's fucking hard to not watch when you get in. So have it. you gotten to the part of The Crown where Margaret Thatcher is there? No. No. Is that I think that's this this most recent season. I I know nothing about the TV show The Crown. I've just seen previews where it like Margaret Thatcher is now like the prime minister and it's like these two powerful women. Um, yeah, it, it just dramatizes the real history of The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know how accurate it is, but like it just like uses like big public events and like I don't know details them. It's kind of weird because, like, I don't know, you'd think the show would get in a lot more trouble because, like, it talks about, like, Prince Philip, um, like, the Queen's husband, and, like, infers that, like, I don't know, he's probably, like, sleeping around with people at one point. Um, they don't say it directly, um, but, like, they talk about how the rumors are around for it. I don't know. I'm learning a lot about monarchies, so that's cool, <laughs> I guess. Um, I wouldn't suggest it. I don't know. I have a weird fascination with British dramas, like I said before, but... Um, I don't think there's anything else that I've watched really. Um, my in like general streaming stuff. My my dad added me to his YouTube TV plan. Nice. Um, and I don't know. It's kind of cool. Uh, he has his HBO account connected to it. That's why I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, I highly suggest. There's a. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get it. There's like a Chromecast. You guys know what like Chromecasts are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's like an, a pretty much like an Apple, t- a better Chromecast version out um, of like that's kind of replicates like an Apple TV where it like consolidates all of your streaming services into one sort of screen and lets you like browse and organize like everything into like one. Whoa. one I did not know. I did not know that's what Chromecast was. No, I did not know what it actually did. I had just heard the term. Oh, yeah. Well, Chromecast previous Chromecast. That's not necessarily the basis of a Chromecast. Apple TV does that best, but a new Chromecast came out that does that. Um, Generally what a Chromecast does is it lets you like what I've used mine for is just like you can, I can play uh, Hulu on my phone and then just send it to my TV and just for my Hulu app and just stream like it casts it on my TV and like YouTube videos and, uh, but this now it's like its own. It's like a fire stick, essentially. Okay. You have your own little hub of like all of yours, but like brings them all together. And then like you can like live stream like you can like video games or something along those lines. Now I don't know. It gets a little complicated. I've never actually used this version. So my only experience with the casting has been with um, HBO Max um, because I, I have a Roku device, uh, which is how I, I watch most of my streaming services, but. Roku and HBO Max do not have a deal yet, so that app is not available. It's still the old HBO app, which is missing all of the Warner Brothers content that they they purchased, like at this point, I think a year ago. Um, so I've used the HBO Max app on my phone, and then I don't even know how I cast it, but using some third-party app, it might have even been a Chromecast, uh, to pull up, of all things, Scooby-Doo the movie, <laughs> uh, on my TV. <laughs> Otherwise, I just watch HBO Max on my laptop. Um, Damn. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's wow. weird that they they don't have that all the apps. I, I it's strange that it's it's kind of a competing landscape. It almost does make it more like cable in a very annoying way for the consumer. Yeah, I I saw a political cartoon uh, recently that was somebody wearing a pirate hat, like obviously pirating TV shows off the internet, and it said like something about cable. And then it compared like what with all the different streaming services. Now people are just going back to pirating stuff again because they don't want to have access to 10 different streaming sites. Speaking of pirating, um, I do not condone it at all. I'm never. No, you definitely shouldn't do that for sure. But there is, have you ever heard of Plex? No. Oh yeah. So somebody I know, um, streams, uh, Plex is essentially a way to set up your own streaming service. So um, somebody um, can, you know, get a pretty decent computer, have a constant internet connection on it, and pretty much create make that a server. And you pay a certain amount of money a month to have to make that server active. And you can essentially use Plex to log on there. That person uploads any movie that they have access to, and you can stream it. Like for example, if someone I know has a server in Texas and I, you know, I could have, I could have a login app that connects with their server. I could stream any movie that they have on their computer. And Ooh, that's cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty cool. There's a, a number of things not to condone piracy, <laughs> um, but that over the years um, have ended up in my collection that I don't know that I could find elsewhere. There's, David Lynch is someone I like a lot and a lot of his films are not even available in like uh, on Blu-ray or anything like that. Um, they have weird, weird distribution rights. Um, so that would be really solid to find yeah. someone with a, a big library like that or like a Criterion library or something. Yeah. Well, um, Storm, like I know you have a huge movie collection. Yeah. You know, eventually, if you, you could go digital and just burn all those onto a nice computer and that get Plex is, and just yeah. stream all of your movies. That would be awesome. Yeah, is it piracy? Is it illegal Plex what we're talking about? Is this Well, no. It's it's illegal if you steal the movies and put them on there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, If no. you did it with your movies that you bought, it would be fine probably. There we go. Okay. I think, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll talk kind of what I've been watching. Um, I in recent weeks, I've been talking about watching Umbrella Academy. I finished yeah. the first season. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of research into it, and I actually found out that it was based on a, a graphic novel or, or comic yeah. series, which I was unaware of at the time of starting it. Um, uh, by Gerard Way? I, I have no clue. Yeah, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way, I believe really? wrote the source material for Umbrella Academy. He is a yeah. is a is an accomplished comic and graphic novel um writer it is so the first season i have you guys ever seen umbrella academy i have not no um the the first season i think is okay there's a lot of time travel stuff um in the second season so far which makes me a little kind of weary of where the the storyline is going um but I think there's there's a lot of misdirects uh, in the first season of who the like bad guy is, um, and I think that works. Like you can kind of see it coming at one point, um, but I think at that point, like 
it's a bit of a twist. Um, and then it's just a lot of interesting, like it's, it's these kids that basically were grooms to be superheroes by this like father figure who was not very fatherly. And so it's kind of an interesting like character study also uh, of how they dealt with the lack of parenting nice. uh, it, or different levels of attention, I guess. Is it kind uh, of um, like X-Men-esque in in terms of like how they're all brought together in a, a school uh, with different of, abilities? Yeah. Basically, they're there's these it starts the very first thing is like a bunch of kids were all just randomly born on some day. Um, and all of them were born to mothers that were not pregnant the day before. And so this guy tries to buy these kids from people and he successfully bought seven of like hundreds that were born. And these seven, all have powers. So I guess it, I guess it posits that all of these kids born on this day would have powers. Um, but Uh. yeah, so they're, they're all, he, he buys them like basically buys them off their parents, um, because he thinks that they're going to be of note. I don't know. Um, and then kind of like brings out their powers. All right. Yeah, it's some um, of X-Men, actually, not anybody who's like super overpowered. Um, there are some characters who like if they use their power in a certain way, um, could I guess become overpowered. Um, but they're all kind of put in check by by one another at least a bit. Nice. Was it is it um something that's uh that you recommend or that's good enough that you're gonna continue on to the second season? I, I so I'm already into the second season, so I think I'm gonna at least finish out the second season. Um because I, it's got a weird thing about like the Kennedy assassination, because um, it, it goes back in time in the second season, uh, and then so it's got this weird kind of vibe of being in the '60s, um, where all these people know what happened because they lived in modern times, uh, except they're living in the '60s, and like one of them is is working for like racial. Uh, justice one of them is like this uh he's taken on like started a cult because he could like predict the future or whatever um but yeah it's interesting um so i'll probably keep watching it the other thing that i watched in completion uh was the series alone have you guys ever heard of this oh yeah yeah alone's great yeah it's so it's a it's a show from his the history channel where these survivalists are just dropped in the, in the isolated location and there's like 10 of them. And the contest is just like survive the longest and you win half a million dollars. Jesus. Um, so the season that is up on Netflix is like season six. There's not even all of them, but they're all dropped in the Arctic and then they have to survive for just as many days as they can while other people drop out or quit or are forced to quit based on like medical problems. Wow. That sounds, that sounds awesome. It's a sweet show. I enjoy it. It, Yeah. I, so I started watching it, uh, very like, I I don't know. It, It starts off and you don't necessarily think it's that much different than like your normal survival show until you realize like there's not really camera crews 
and these people are dead serious about everything they're talking about. Um, and there's definitely different types of people. There's like people who are super cocky about how much they know. So it's just like watching them fail is like kind of fun. Um, and then there's people who are like very earnest in like how they have lived their life to gain these skills throughout their lifetime. Wow. That sounds cool. I, I had not heard of that at all. I'm definitely interested in checking that out. Alone, you said? Yeah. Alone. Cool. I think it's uh, and, uh, on Netflix and all of them are on Hulu. Oh, they are? Well, I don't know. What, I think so, yeah. Oh, well, uh, I'm going to have to check out other seasons of it. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a show. This is dumb, and they and he doesn't need any additional promotion. But I've been watching the Eric Andre show, uh, whatever the newest season. I believe it's season five. Um, he didn't do. Uh, do you guys know the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim? Mm-hmm. He it, where it's like a fake um, late night show where he essentially tortures his guests in her cut with like street pranks um, that are they're pretty extreme. Um, but uh, <laughs> he took a break for the entirety of the Trump administration. His last season was in 2016. Then he came back to do 2020 for his final season. And some of them are on YouTube uh, for free. I definitely recommend if you, if you like him, you like his style of humor, checking it out. I think it's a little less um, cruel than he was in the past. I think it's more like uh, just goofy slapstick stuff, more him getting hurt and the actors and who are in the know uh getting pranked but something that i've noticed as a through line is a lot of these really um you know pretty like hard uh rappers are involved in this recurring sketch where they're going through an obstacle course while they oh, are yeah. blindfolded I've seen clips of that uh, yeah. <laughs> rapper and ninja war- warrior exactly but he has a cattle prod while they're doing this and is sneaking up on them and shocking them with a cattle prod <laughs> while they're trying to do this. I haven't seen the the newest or the last episode, but I, I follow Freddie Gibbs uh, on Instagram. I saw that he was on there and that's, that's enough for me that I, I, I would very much like to see that. Uh, Freddie Gibbs doesn't seem like the type of guy that would really roll with the kind of punches that Eric Andre would be throwing. So I, I, I can imagine it's going to be a bit trying. Oh, yeah. uh, but I liked it. I liked what I saw quite a bit. Nice. Um, so let's let's go ahead and I guess talk about some suggestions or, or what's on your watch list for next week. Totally. Um, I, as always, I, I'm going to say it until I watch it. Suspiria. <laughs> I am going to watch this movie at some point and tell you guys about it. I know it's going to be good. Um, I've heard. Well, I, I mean, maybe it doesn't hit all the right boxes for me but from what i've heard it's very good so i will continue to say that and i'm gonna finish lord of the rings i'm super stoked about that uh that's it that's it for me uh i don't know when i'll watch it but uh i've seen a lot of akira kurosawa references recently and i realize i haven't i think i've watched was it seven samurai or whatever um, hell yeah but like i haven't seen any of his other movies and uh, whoa as a classic uh, film director that I should probably watch. I think, what is it? A uh, I just had a browser. Yojimbo? Yojimbo? Uh, it's Y-O-J-I-N-B-O. Okay. 
It's like a I actually, uh, Ronin bodyguard. Shit, I, I you know what? I've never seen that. I've seen a few of uh, Kira Kurosawa, uh, a few of his films. One that uh, I think you should add to your list if you haven't is it's called Ran R A N. It's uh, an adaptation of the Shakespeare story uh, or the the play King Lear, and it is awesome. It's more modern. It was it was directed uh, or shot in the eighties, um, so it's got a, a more modern cinematic aesthetic. Okay. But that movie is badass. Dang. All right. Yeah, I'll check um, that out. So as far as what I'm kind of planning, um, I am going to f- hopefully finish season two of Umbrella Academy. Uh, and then I want to... I never watched season three of Stranger Things for whatever Ooh. reason. Like I... I just okay. didn't watch it. Damn. Um, so I yeah. think I'm going to go back and, and finish that. Shit. Um, I just, I, I don't know if I missed it or what the uh, deal I'm was. Very envious of that. <laughs> Do you, uh, Is it bad? I don't like it. It's different. That, it's getting, I don't know, there's that uh, weird, I don't even remember. Honestly, I, I just remember a weird side plot. Oh, wait, the third one's better than the second one. Never mind. Yeah. I'm mistaken. The second one was garbage. The. Yeah, the second one is kind of a rehash of the first one in a lot of ways, and there's a side plot that totally derails the entire story. But I thought the third one, it it does get cheesier very noticeably. Um, but I there's a lot of really strong feel good kind of there's like synth pop music and it's emotional like coming of age stuff. There's a ton of that in the third season. It was very yeah. very like binge worthy. Yeah. So I, I'm envious of you having not seen that, Zach. I I I, I take that back because I'm recalling that I like the third season. The second season is the one with the crappy side plot that I fucking like maybe you want to burn my tv is it with 11 why i didn't watch yeah with 11 in that weird ragtag group of okay alternative kids like fuck that (laughs) yeah so nothing ever comes to that no they do not bring that back in the third season no so that would maybe be why um i like i have no idea why i didn't watch the third season but that would make sense that maybe i just really didn't like the second season so didn't care to seek out the third when it came out yeah, it's I mean, cool the third that... season is like very similar. I don't know, it's a similar similar vibes as the first season, I think. I like I the know. setting. Uh they changed the the tone. It's no longer a fall setting. It's a summer 4th of July um setting. It, it, it I thought it added a, a nice energy to it where it wasn't like we're missing a whole year of these kids lives, but rather it's just uh, you know, 6 months later kind of thing. Um, okay well we'll have to hopefully talk about it in the coming weeks cool (laughs) um so unless anybody has anything else to say i think we're done with with this after show yeah we good Mm -hmm. um so i i don't remember what our sign off is for the after show do you say something do you say bye (laughs) goodbye everyone have a wonderful week Trump 22.